everyone, and welcome back to another episode of NYY Takes. Today, I'm joined by Les Williams and Cameron Toe. Unfortunately, no Matthew Gerald tonight. He was a late scratch. He will be dearly missed. But anyway, Les, how are we doing on this fine Tuesday? Doing great, Robert. Thanks for asking. Uh, All-star game, all-star season for my 12-year-old is possibly wrapping up soon. He's got a huge game against our local rival on Thursday, and so really excited about that. Coming off an 18-6 to thumping this week, so we're pretty. it's a pretty happy time in the Williams household. How's everybody else doing tonight? Is someone about to strike out? Um, actually, the exact opposite happened. So why did we hear those horns? Like, I think I, I've never heard that on MYY takes before. <laughs> uh, you never, you never cease to be the corniest guy in the room, Toe. I'll give you credit. <laughs> and it's funny because the literal opposite just happened as we're recording. Exactly. Someone named someone named Jack Suwinski. Just hit a home run. I've never heard of this guy in my life. Don't give Jack Sawinski the someone named tag. He's been having a great season. Oh, he was super pumped up rounding first base. Wow. Yeah, he hit a home run off a Yankee. Like, that's probably the closest that the Pittsburgh Pirates will actually get to, like, real Major League Baseball this year. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Toe is out of the gates firing, and, you know, so the Pirates up 3-0 on the Yankees. Toe, tell us how you are, though. How are you feeling? Aside how am I? Well, I had a very nice Fourth uh, of July weekend. Um, some time to relax, time, some time to watch a little bit of baseball. But you know what? I had even more time to spend with my family yesterday because there was no Yankee game. So yeah. Mm, you make a very salient point. Actually, let's start with that. I don't understand how every other sport that basically has complete ownership over a certain time of year. So. NBA has Christmas pretty much to themselves. Now, well, the NFL is kind of creeping in there, but they do all the games on Christmas. The NFL owns Thanksgiving. For some reason, Major League Baseball can't figure out that they should legitimately just be owning July 4th through and through. How do you not have the New York Yankees playing on a day where nobody is working? or Most people aren't working, I should say. The Yankees are the most popular team in baseball. On Independence Day, it's baseball, it's America. Where are the Yankees? The games on Monday were terrible. What? what it's so frustrating. And also July 4th was on a Monday. Like normally it'll be, okay, well, it's weird to have a random Wednesday afternoon game, but it was a Monday and like, no one worked on Monday. Literally everyone I know took time off either before July 4th weekend or after July 4th weekend. Everyone was available to watch your sport and yet you decide to not put the most marquee franchise in MLB on any type of platform whatsoever, local or national, yesterday. There wasn't even a baseball game in New York. The Mets were in Cincinnati. And granted, that's a really nice ballpark. You were there last year, Cole, so I'm sure you can speak to that. But still, how can you not have baseball in New York City on July 4th? Someone did something wrong with the schedule. And you can't even blame the lockout because this was scheduled way before then. Yeah, it's weird, but... It stinks, especially after that 20-game uh, stretch. Like, just if they could have thrown a random day off and give the Yankees 4th of July, I would have loved to have watched it. So I remember, okay, yeah, so there's a there, – and I think the answer to this question has to do with the fact that robots make the MLB schedule now. It's all computerized. 
But um, if you are listening and you want to watch a really good 30 for 30 and lesson Cito, this is a great recommendation for you. Um, I think it's called The Schedule Makers. And it's about these two people that before MLB started automating the schedule, these two people basically made the MLB schedule for the entire 162 game season. So there was actually a human element to making the schedule. And I don't think if they were in charge, they would allow what happened on July 4th to be happening with baseball, where we get terrible games, no New York baseball happening in New York, and everything would be better. But yes, I think this is, uh, I think the blame for this is on computers. Well, yeah, but even then, like, don't human beings have to put some concrete inputs into whatever computer program makes a schedule? So one of your, I guess, given parameters can be everyone plays on July 4th. Everyone. Well, well Toa, as, good, as we know, they're not quite there yet. That's a good yeah, point. Rob Manfred. <laughs> the, uh, the Subway Series this year are on they are, their Monday-Tuesday games this week, this month, and then I think they play again in like late August. And again, say it's like Tuesday, Wednesday. Like Subway Series games, they should be on the weekends. Yeah. Nope. The only thing the MLB actually got... Sorry. Hate saying the MLB. You do it all the time. It's so wrong, and I do it all the time. But what MLB nailed last season was doing the 9-11 game between the Yankees and Mets at City Field. I was at that game. It was an awesome experience. Nailed it. Need to do more of that. Need to have more special games on TV. You could even make July 4th like this one-off rivalry day, right? I know it's terrible for, for travel, but why not have, you know, Yankees, Red Sox, July 4th, Mets, Phillies, whatever it may be. You can't tell me that computers decided that the Yankees and Mets were going to play on 9-11 last year, right? That had, like, <laughs> well, that's definition, that's Major League Baseball that's, that's, cannot get that lucky. That's, Just impossible. That, that's actually true. You make a very good point. But that's, but that's the point. Is That's a layup that they saw and said, okay, we have to do this. July 4th should be as much of a layup to have as much baseball on TV as possible with the best players playing. The fact that Aaron Judge was not all over American televisions on Monday is a travesty. Yeah, he was chilling out in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Yeah. Like, nothing Celebr- against Pittsburgh. Amazing city, amazing Amazing, ballpark. amazing That's place. not what Aaron Judge Pittsburgh. should be doing on July 4th. Yeah, it's not. He should be hitting dingers on, on Fox at Yankee Stadium. But anyway, that's enough complaining about MLB. Let's talk about the Yankees, because this is a Yankees podcast, believe it or not. So we've wrapped up the Yankees. We, we Yankees, that's a fine line. As a fan, I like to say we, because I'm very involved with this team. And I go to a lot of baseball games and spend a lot of money. So you know what? We. Joe's McFly makes a very salient point on the we for a fan. But anyway, so this 20-game stretch that we've just experienced is over, and the Yankees went 15-5. and five with three of their losses being against the Astros. We'll talk about that later. But overall, thoughts on, uh, immediate thoughts on going 15-5 and five over 20 games, a stretch that we spoke about that was going to be a big challenge and a big test. I think the name of the podcast before this happened, before the whole 20-game stretch, was the Yankees faced their biggest test of the season. And I think they aced it with maybe an A-minus with some question marks. Yeah, you really, most of the guys came out of it healthy. They 10 games over 500, over 15 games. You know, they won a lot of the close games. They had a couple of beatdowns, but, you know, they 
they came out of a relatively unscathed, unscathed with a good record. And I feel pretty good about that other than those three games that we'll get to. But, yeah, I, I'm fine with the record coming out of that brutal stretch. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Um, the weird part is that you couldn't really ask for anything better than 15 and 5. And yet, I guess because of the way the Astros are playing and coming off of everything we discussed in last week's pod, it's not the best taste in the world. Like, it's not Mr. Softy. It's like whatever downgrade pink truck you get uh, outside Little Island type of ice cream truck. I know exactly. Um, it's not what you're the OG. But Actually, like, sidebar. still satisfactory in most situations, but just not <laughs> the cream of the crop. But it's July 5th. There's not really much to complain about. And ho hum, right? Like 15 and 5 is pretty much a definition of ho hum. So the fact that we're even thinking about complaining about anything just shows how good the Yankees are. I was actually having a conversation this week about those random pink ice cream trucks and how they are in comparison to Mr. Softy. I didn't get much of a verdict, but perhaps there's more research that needs to be done. But yeah, last week we spoke a lot about the Astros. I spoke a lot about the Astros. I basically spent the entire podcast talking about how good the Astros are. And it's too bad that Matthew's not here because he really thought I was being quite ridiculous, I think. But while the Yankees are 15-5 and over the last 20 games, the Houston Astros are 16-4. and this is a very, very good baseball team. And we spent the first 20 minutes of our podcast last week talking about how good they are. And I will double down on my statement that the Astros are better than the New York Yankees right now. And I don't think that's that crazy because if you, this was kind of what I said last week, but if you look at where we were before the season started, if you ask anybody off the street who's better, the Astros or the Yankees, everyone's probably saying the Astros. And now we're exactly halfway through the season. The Yankees are five games better. But the Yankees have had, quote unquote, like the best season ever, comparable to 1998. And the Astros are just ho-humming their way to 50 wins as well. So when I said it kind of feels like the Yankees are, they're not so much punching above their weight and playing so much better than expected or than they should. But it's like we're talking about them as having this generational season. But the Astros are right there, too. And I think the Astros, specifically in the rotation, are a little more complete than the Yankees right now and, and, and overall scare me. And I think the last 20 games, while the Yankees have been great, they did have three losses to the Astros. Arguably could have had five. Arguably could have been swept in that four-game series. So I don't know. Am I still crazy? Well, the Astros are an awesome baseball team. They're, they've got good pitching. And, you know, I, I think you and I are probably of the same mindset that for me personally, I feel like this, the rotation for the Yankees is maybe a little bit of fool's gold. You know, Jamison Tyone, Nestor Cortez, these Jamison Tyone is getting smacked by the pirates right now. Yeah. So the bottom can, you feel like the bottom can fall out of those guys at any time, but that's so the Astros just have more complete dominant pitching staffs. I don't think the Houston Astros are anything to worry about in the immediate term because they're in the AL West, right? So, I mean, in terms of making the playoffs and winning the division, well, the, besides, big, the big thing would be home field. Yeah, 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 no, but like, I say all of that to say that regardless of how the Astros are doing, I don't think that their performance changes what upgrades need to be made at the trade deadline because 
again, the Astros don't really have much to do in terms of impact on making the playoffs. Of course, once you get there and once we hopefully probably meet them in the ALCS, then you have to start worrying for them. But hopefully you will have done your retooling, rejiggering, upgrading before then such that whatever their performance level is come October, you're able to match up with the additions that you made in end of July. So yeah, I would be worried, but not worried because of how you perform against the Astros, just worried because like every season, upgrades need to be made in a couple of weeks. Okay. I mean, yes, I agree. A lot, <clears throat> excuse me. A lot of this is contingent on the moves that the Yankees make at the deadline. One thing that also scares me beyond the Astros is being good. The Astros have the easiest remaining schedule in baseball per tankathon. Guess how many times they play the Oakland Athletics for the rest of the season? 12. I'll say 15. 16. That means they like haven't played them at all. 16 yeah. games. Are you telling me that the Oakland Yankees have played A's. more games against the A's than the Astros have thus far? Happened. Wow. Yeah. And wow. it's very, the Yankees have a very similar situation with a division opponent of their own in the Boston Red Sox. So the Yankees have the 11th toughest schedule in MLB. Guess how many more times they have to play Boston? Oh, I thought you were about to compare the Red Sox with the A's, and I would have asked you to leave this podcast. No. <laughs> it's the inverse they've, of all of that. What do they have, like maybe 14 more times? I think they've only played them twice. Yeah, there were the three games, I think, in the beginning of the year, and was that it? Yeah, they played Boston 16 more times this season. Oh. Yeah, because... I know we play them the last series before the All-Star break. That should be a fun weekend in they're New York. They're slowly getting interesting, too. They're, they're 13 games back, but they're slowly in second place. Team. Yeah. Like, how? how? How did that even happen? Is Trevor's story good? Like, <laughs> The Red oh. Sox, they do dumb stuff like that. Well, the Red Sox do have the hardest schedule in MLB, but that's because they played the Yankees 16 times. So, <laughs> so, so it's kind of... Kind of weird. The problem with Tankathon, and it, it's it's solely reliant on winning percentage, which is a bit, um, you know, take it with a grain of salt. Or at yeah, least so, do the, so do the A's have the hardest schedule left in MLB then? Yeah, they have, they have the second oh hardest. God. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it, it, it's, it's not to be totally trusted, but by winning percentage, the Astros have the easiest schedule. Uh, some other highlights for the Astros. They have Detroit three more times, two against, seven against Baltimore, nine more against the Angels. So, you know, they're going to win 100 games, 100 plus. I think Fangraphs has the Yankees winning 104 right now. That probably drops today after they lose to Pittsburgh, maybe. So I think Fangraphs has the Yankees winning 104, and they have the Astros winning 100. But I am not positive that the Yankees can. It's not crazy to think that the Astros can be six games better than the Yankees for the second half of the season. Okay, good, fine, like whatever. They're the Astros. Like I think we knew that this was going to happen. But do you want to play? Right? I don't want to be having the ALCS go through Minute Maid Park again. Yeah. So, but 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 what can you do about that? Like again, like freaking so freaking win, toe. Yeah, but okay, okay, fine. But if <laughs> but 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 again, if you don't want or. 
your concern is the Astros. Like the like like the thing like the thing I'm trying to get at is that yeah, win in the regular season, but that doesn't mean beat the Astros. It means win, and it means yeah. upgrade. And the Astros record has no bearing on how you should be upgrading. You should just upgrade the best you possibly can. Yes, and I think so. I I think it's we've reached like an overcorrection point. Like the Yankees have played so well. And I hope over the next month it kind of gets shown. The Yankees have played so well, but we it's still so clear that they have so many holes. And the team is presently constructed, has a lot of flaws. And the pitching rotation, while no one seems to really want to admit it, is not this good. So there's just things that concern me. So, yes, whatever they do with the deadline to improve the team is incredibly important. So why don't we talk about the trade deadline? Well, we had a trade this past weekend with, coincidentally, the Pittsburgh Pirates. Um, so the recently DFA'd Manny Banuelos was traded to Pittsburgh for cash considerations. And my only takeaway is that, um, actually, I have two. Number one, how could we not get Brian Reynolds from Manny Banuelos? Like, Cashman, do better, please. And my <laughs> second thing is, if we're not going to get Brian Reynolds, Cash considerations has to be the next Clay Holmes, right? Yeah, I mean, cash considerations for all I'm concerned is the new Yankees setup, man. I, I wonder what his ground ball rate is going to be. Would cash considerations be better than Araldus Chapman? Can cash considerations record an out? I think so. Exactly. That's all. All cash considerations has to do is only walk two guys in one inning. How, Actually, much would, how much would you have to pay a Major League Baseball player to strike out on purpose? Because that's a cash consideration, right? Uh, I would assume it depends on that player's salary as well as their makeup as a human being. So you're saying there's a chance? Definitely a chance. So, yeah, um, Manny Benuels, once again... Um, didn't get the opportunities that he probably should have gotten in the Bronx. Pitched well in limited appearances, but is there anything else to say? Like, it's just a minor league trade with the Pittsburgh Pirates at the end of the day? It's nothing. It's just funny when the Yankees trade with the Pirates. I feel like everyone involved in that. I feel like Brian Cashman, like, picks up the phone to talk to the Pirates, and then he's just like, hey, guys. Like, sorry. Sorry you have to hear my voice again after what we did to you last season. <laughs> Well, I'm sure Pittsburgh said yes in two seconds because they realized it was only for cash. So, like, they knew that they couldn't get boned. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, there's no way cash can just be amazing, right? Just turn out to be a, one of the best relievers in MLB. Yeah, and then they're going to use that on, like, the next Wandy Peralta or whatever. Oh, the scrappy. <laughs> All right. So, one of the things that, Les, I know you wanted to talk about was the question of Brian Reynolds or Andrew Benintendi. Now, I never thought like this was, especially last season, never thought this would even be a question. And I think it has to do with price. It's like, would you would you rather Brian Reynolds at a pay more for Brian Reynolds or not have to pay nearly as much but get Andrew Benintendi? But less. give us your thoughts. Well, I, I like Brian Reynolds a lot. So if I had to choose either of them, I would take Brian Reynolds. Obviously, the long-term, the long-term, uh, you know, he's he's under contract for a few more years. Andrew Benatendi is a rental. 
And I, their numbers are actually remarkably similar. Um, when you think about it, when you take a look at it, flash lines are relatively close, 314, 380, 400, 253, 328, 460 for Brian Reynolds. They're both actually the same age. So they're both 27 years old. I thought Andrew Botanity was a lot older than that because he's been around forever. But uh, he doesn't hit for power. He's got a .086 ISO. Brian Reynolds has... 15 home runs with a two with a 207 ISO. So I guess you trade Benatendi's average, but no, I, I like Reynolds so much more as a player. Yeah, because at least Brian Reynolds is the better player. It's just Matt brought up yes yesterday, last week, about uh, trading for Reynolds, and he said he wanted to do – he, he said he would do whatever it took to get David Bednar and Brian Reynolds to the Yankees. And while David Bednar is really good and Brian Reynolds is a good baseball player, I'm not so sure the Yankees should be mortgaging any sort of future talent that they have for Brian Reynolds. Brian Reynolds is probably, I can't see him even replicating, let alone being better than the season he, he had last year. And I think the season he's having this year is more or less a tick below the type of player he actually is. So you need to be very careful when it's like, are you really paying a player for what he did? Which obviously the Yankees know not to do this. But do you really want to acquire a player for what he did or what you think he's going to do? And I'm, I was never so sure that Brian Reynolds could, could kind of replicate what he did last season. And then the Benintendi piece is interesting because he's not hitting for power. Kaufman's not a great place for him to hit for power, I would imagine. I think he would do a little better at Yankee Stadium with the short porch. Defensively, he's that's kind of where the bigger issue lies, is you can't put him in center field. So you're kind of just committing to an Aaron Judge slash Aaron Hicks center field for the rest of the season, which would be fine. But Benintendi, you have to stick him in left because there's really nowhere else he can play. So, yeah, in a vacuum, it's like I obviously take Brian Reynolds over Benintendi, but it's, if Brian Reynolds is going to take Dominguez, Volpe, or Peraza, or any of these guys, it's, it's probably a no, because Benintendi's not going to command that much. So I think Benintendi would be fun. I mean, he's a notorious Yankee killer from, from back in the day. I can't believe he's only 28 years old. It feels like he's been around so much longer. Um, but yeah, Toad, you have you have any thoughts here? Yeah, I mean, in a vacuum, like everyone said, Brian Reynolds is obviously the better player, but I think there are a lot more equals in terms of everything than people are really noticing. As Les said, that they are they are the same age, which is wild to me, because as Les said, Andrew Benintendi, it seems like he's been around forever, and because of his recent yeah. decline, everyone thought he was in his mid-30s, but no, he's a year older than I am, which is, again, crazy. But I don't know. I mean, in terms of cost, like the money that the Yankees will have to pay each player, um, Benintendi is making $8.5 million this year on a one-year contract. He will be a free agent after this year. I can't imagine that he'd make any more than that. Maybe he'll get a two-year deal for seven-ish million a year. 
if his stats hold up, whereas with Brian Reynolds, you have two years of control. Um, so essentially you'd be trading for two and a half years of Brian Reynolds and he's going to be making more money for what I think is pretty similar production. Um, uh, Steamer has them at a pretty even WRC plus uh, for the rest of the season. And yeah, Ben intendi has been pretty much a league average hitter since um, his breakout year in 2018. And obviously he had that really terrible shortened season in 2020. But I mean, other than that one weird COVID year, he's been like a solid one and a half to two went players. So for what he is, I think we'd be getting good production, what you'd need in a rental and you get to keep all your ducks in a row. And of course we have the elephant in the room, which is the Aaron judge contract because Reynolds would obviously be a great long-term replacement for judge obviously will not match his production. I know that, but could be a productive player down the line. And if judge leaves, those types of outfielders will be hard to come by. So if you can get your hands on someone with the potential of Brian Reynolds and go for it, but if it's going to cost you your top prospects who would be playing in the same championship window as a Brian Reynolds, then I think you go with what you have and you get the guy who costs lesser in terms of trade value. But I don't know. Um, it's a really interesting question and made more interesting by the fact that Andrew Benintendi isn't necessarily who we thought he was. Another center fielder that has been spoken about today is Esteban Floriel, who just won International League Player of the Week. However, I'm still not quite convinced on him. But the the judge point that you made was actually an interesting one that I haven't thought about. It's that if you get Brian Reynolds, it's kind of like a mini judge insurance in some way. Yeah, and then, look, if you keep judge, then I guess... You have Hickson left. Gallo is off the team next year, right? I think I've, the latest that Gallo will be off the team is November 2022. Yes? Yeah, yes. he's gone. So Whether yeah. it be at the deadline or after the season. Yeah, so I mean, I guess he's technically your Gallo replacement. Um, or you can put Hicks as fourth outfielder, Stanton in left, although no one really wants that. So... Yeah, I don't know. It's just plus talent. and But there are many ways to get plus talent and many different types of plus talent. So if you're fixated on Brian Reynolds, then I don't think we're doing justice to the rest of the league. You you bring up a good point, too, about what you said about Judge, too, because keeping Judge in center and Stanton in right is kind of the ideal situation. Stanton's got a cannon in right field. Judge can patrol all over center field. It's just a matter of keeping his body you know, healthy over the course of 162 games. Obviously, it's not ideal to have him out in center field all the time, but it gives them a lot more flexibility with a lot of the positions to have judge in center. Like, when you put him there, the dominoes kind of are are better aligned to put Stanton in right. Different guys get a chance at DH. So it's just, it's interesting when you think about it, because do you really want Brian Reynolds to be your center fielder and kind of clog up where you think everybody else should play, or do you get Benatendi, stick him in left field for the rest of the season, and you know, you're able to get a lot more roster flexibility out there. Yeah, I mean, another player that I really like that I think would be cheaper than Reynolds, but better than Benintendi is Ramon Lariano. 
because he can play center field. I don't really want Judge. I don't really want Judge playing center field all the time. So you can put Laurie, nor do I want Hicks playing center field. So you can put Lariano, who's a very good center fielder out there, and that also kind of solves your problems a little bit because Lariano, just like Reynolds, is, you know, he still has his last two years of arbitration left, both next year and the following year. And I think he would be cheaper than Reynolds, I, I would think at least. I mean, Reynolds probably at this point has a pretty hot market given what he did last season and, and Loriano has, has cooled off and he has the steroid thing and all of that. And I think he's got some like more makeup issues than, than Reynolds may have. So it's like, there's three guys there with Benintendi, Loriano and Reynolds that I'm really interested. There are other names on the periphery that I'm not so interested in, but I think my, my hope, my wish is that it's, it's Loriano. If the, Reynolds deal. I don't want Reynolds on an expensive trade, and I, I want Loriano on a bit of a cheaper deal. And I think Loriano is really fun. He plays a really good center field and big guy. He's kind of like a mini linebacker out there, and he brings some fire and, and passion. Reynolds is like Reynolds was like born to play baseball for the Pittsburgh Pirates, so I'm fine with with leaving him out there. It's it'll be fun to talk about over the next couple of weeks. That's for sure. Yeah, and then um. There's the there's the shortstop issue with IKF, which is we've almost spoken about it so much at this point <laughs> to the point that there's not even that much more to add. But it's I don't think I think I I was pretty wrong on IKF. I thought it'd be a bit of a better hitter, and he hasn't really been that great with the glove. We all I, it's it's hard for me to see a situation where IKF can be the everyday starting shortstop for a team trying to march through October. I mean. He all he does is ground out. It's literally all he does. Yeah, and I guess going back to our original conversation about why do we think the Yankees are worse than the Astros, think about the positions that we just talked about. Center field exactly. and shortstop. Yeah. These were the positions that last year we had all the problems in the world with. And we were screaming the entire offseason, please make significant upgrades up the middle. Now a catcher. Let's see. Trevino is an upgrade over Sanchez, Higgy, or whatever the heck we were rolling out there last year. But then again, like if you're still pinch hitting Matt Carpenter for Trevino every chance you get, how much you actually trust him? IKF, it seems like he can't field a routine ground ball anymore. And center field, like Judge was actually kind of an emergency option that turned out great, but an emergency option nonetheless. And we're still now working to replace. The replacement, essentially. So, yeah, I, I guess. I, yeah. So, I mean, we're, we're still dealing with this, the same problems. It's the story it's of 2021 in many ways. This team has a billion wins, yet there's so many problems. I mean, it's been a team propped up by incredible pitching, the best ERA in baseball. And it's been a team propped up by Aaron Judge having the MVP season, Anthony Rizzo doing his thing. And then Glaber Torres, DJ LeMahieu, and Giancarlo Stanton doing as they're expected. And then there's the Trevino piece, but 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 pretty much everywhere else is Kaprov. Donaldson's been bad, Hicks has been bad, Gallo's been bad, IKF has been bad. There's a lot of bad at pretty key positions that need to get better. I think Donaldson is the one I, I'm concerned about the least. A lot of his expected numbers are still good. So that's that's where my concern stem, concern stems from is that 
this has been really propped up by like incredible pitching that's really hard to keep up throughout a 162 game season into the playoffs. You need to have a good shortstop to win a World Series, or at least a one that can hit for at least league average WRC plus. So while I love IKF and and think he's a, you know, has potential to be a solid baseball player, it's just he hasn't figured it out this season. And we learned in one play over the weekend that Glaber Torres is not the answer. Yeah, no, he's broken. He could, uh, he just has like post traumatic. The second you put him at shortstop, all bets are off. It, it was funny yeah. seeing him make one throw and then just botch it. Yeah, that was the reason why that they went out and had to get IKF because Glaber he he failed spectacularly at that position. So now they like talking about the deadline. They don't. They've got players in the system like. Oswald Peraza, I would take him right now over IKF. You know, he can't be any worse. So he's... <laughs> he's but can be, he be uh, worse? I don't think he can. I just don't. Like, I was I was joking with you guys earlier that IKF is actually trending toward uh, Aaron Hicks' level of purgatory in my... my uh, wow. In my book, yeah. My disdain for Aaron Hicks is legendary. But... I can't imagine this stat is actually right, but IKF apparently has one barreled ball this season. He's got no home runs, 11 no doubles, no triples. He stinks. He's so bad at the play. I have to do a live Google search on that. Go to Fanny. He has one barrel this year. I find that hard to believe. Well, Very let's see, a few. I'm just yes. where he's at. And I'm just, just where he ranks. And oh, he he that might be true. He is in the first percentile in barrel percentage. Wow. He's that's he's real bad. Uh Peraza's got 10 homers, 25 RBIs, 242, 313, 420 line. 232, 314 is 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 terrible. No, two two forty two, three thirteen, four twenty. Still bad. Uh meanwhile, Mr. Kiner Falapa's got uh <laughs> What's he got this season? He has 258, 310, 305. But if you put Connor Falafel in AAA, he's probably raking. So, so, so and, what I, if, like, and what if you put that in a pita? There's, there's, mm, I just, pita. there's no, there's no way. I, I get. We always do this as Yankees fans. We're like, bring up the kid, see how he does. Oswald Peraza, I refuse to believe he's ready with a 310 OBP in AAA. Uh, three, yeah, I. Probably not, but he's – I don't know. I'm not saying full-time, but do you want a platoon situation? Platoon. Like, he's going to come up at some point. IKF sucks. <laughs> real bad. Well, good thing Matt's not here because he'd be telling us how he wants Marwin Gonzalez to be the shortstop for the rest of the season. <laughs> he did throw that crap against the wall. It didn't stick. Yeah, yeah no. <laughs> that was awesome. It just – it's 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 also tough because it's not like the it's not like the shortstop market's awesome this season. Yeah, do we really want Angelton Simmons in the Bronx not being no. able to go to Toronto? No, no. Oh, so it's no, like, well, like what? Like Bogarts is now no longer going to be available. That was someone a lot of people spoke about before the season as someone that might be available if the Sox weren't contending. Dansby like, Swanson, like, would have been traded to probably, Yankees anyway. Dansby's in a walk year. Like they're not yeah, going to bring the Braves Didi. are good. They're not going to bring Didi back. Ooh. All signs. No, they're not going to bring Didi back. All signs He's are done. pointing to my man Joey Wendell. Who honestly, who even knows if he can play a good shortstop? I don't care. He's great. Get him on this baseball team. 
I don't know. I think the I think the Marlins might be going through a post Derek Jeter phase of just let's ignore the Yankees for a bit. It's kind of like you know the toxic X situation of let's just not yeah, communicate they, with each they, other for a few months, and then we'll see what happens. I feel like that's what the Marlins are doing with the Yankees right now. They fired Gary Denbo. Exactly. I, I'm Donnie. They're Baseball doing. They're purging all the Yankees. Yeah, Donnie Baseball probably gets canned at the end of the year, which sucks. But that's what the Marlins are going to do. They're going to tear it back down, and they're going to be the you know meet the new boss the same as the old boss, which is what they just did for the last 25, 30 years of their existence. Is there someone obvious I'm missing on the shortstop market or like on the infielder? John Birdie, can he play short? Yeah, well, I mean, I think that's that's kind of like what the issue was in the offseason too, just the absolute dearth of shortstops on the market. Like the top free agent at one point was Jose Iglesias. Remember we were having that whole joke of, oh, we're going to be left with Freddie Galvis and like Freddie Galvis went to Japan. Like, I don't know like the shortstops are because like, it's not like a random shortstop got made by a baseball manufacturing facility in the middle of the season and just got plopped into majors. That didn't happen either. So what are, there's not like an Aaron judge creative, like put him in center field, creative type of solution out there internally. So I don't know. It's baffling. Like how there are no good shortstops out there right now. Somehow every single player that I want is on the Miami Marlins. Keep on going. Miguel Rojas, John Birdie, Joey Wendell. Oh, well, it's true. You've had a thing for Joey Wendell. Well, I do have the a Marlins, thing for Joey Wendell. Yeah, well, if the Mar- Marlins continue their pattern of uh, maturity here, I doubt yeah. we'll be seeing anyone flying from Miami to LaGuardia. Yeah. What's the moral of the trade. story here? The moral of the story is that it's actually going to be much more difficult than we think to make this team a whole lot better at the deadline, unless there's some move that no one sees coming. Like pitching. We know the pitching, they, they've got to do something there, too. Like, they've, Cashman's got work to do. And yeah, we can hopefully. get into the bullpen when we go up and down because I have to spend time going, you know. You'll see. I'll just do that. So let's just get right into that. I'll start. How about that? With three up, three down. So I'll do my up and my down. I think we'll go up and down with We just spent a lot of time kind of just talking about have it have an existential crisis about the Yankees trade deadline plans. So my up is DJ. It was kind of, it was kind of hard to like find a great up for this week. No one like totally stood out, but I was just going on fan graphs. Like DJ was five for 15 only had one RBI somehow. I mean, he bats lead off most of the time. I don't really have much else to add beyond that. DJ LeMahieu, it's good to see that he's, you know, I mean, he's still kind of doing his thing. I mean, the DJ we're getting this season is like true DJ. I think I said this before. Like, this is this is DJ being DJ. We're probably never going to see 2019, 2020 DJ LeMahieu ever again. I think that guy is long gone. But I also don't think we'll ever see 2021 DJ LeMahieu again um, because that guy stunk. So 2022 DJ LeMahieu is is true talent DJ, and I like that he's still finding ways to remain a pretty reliable hitter. He had that huge home run in that Sunday game against the Astros, so still doing big things. So my my down is the fun one. Had to get to that up quickly. So my down is Araldis Chapman, and this can bring us into a bigger conversation just about the Yankees bullpen now. Chapman comes into the game, was it 
Saturday. It was it was one of the games Saturday. I think it was the game they won 13-4. Comes in, walks three batters, and leaves the game. What what is going on? Like not only did he come in and walk three batters, like the first pitch he threw was one of those pitches when you immediately realize, oh wow, this is one of those Chapman outings. Like oh. What is all this Chapman? He is not. He was not going to get anyone out on Saturday. It was physically impossible for that to happen. Like you could not have spent cash considerations to bribe someone to strike someone out. Like because what would have happened is that it would have been a wild pitch on strike three, and the guy would have gone to first. Yeah, I mean, what is Aroldis Chapman doing here? Not in like why is he here, but legitimately, what is he going to do? Is he all up in his head right now? Because I don't want to call Aroldis Chapman and mentally unstable person because that would be completely unfair to him but i think there is enough of a track record on the field that when he is not in a safe situation no matter if he is a nominal closer or oh, not yeah. he's just gonna shit the bed so i don't even what, know what can I, you do with him i don't even know if i would like unstable or whatever. I, I think he just has a huge freaking ego and if he's not closing a game he gets pissed off and gets pouty and that carries off and that carries over into how he's pitching you can't. I. I don't know what. What is a role? What is a role? Is Chapman's role? Is he at all trustable? To me, no. Opener. Oh, stop! Please. You want to step on the mound in the first inning and just give up leadoff walks like it's nobody's business? It's like the worst possible way to start a game. You sit him down, tell him, "Hey, look, a role. This you are now an opener. This is going to be a role. Suck it up." Like, and I think take, he'd be actually pretty good at it. Take closer like, role where you usually finish off games and do your fun stare down when you strike out the last guy and just take that and put it in the first inning. Yeah, but think about it. Like, he, he is guaranteed now to face the team's best hitters. Whether or not you think that's a good thing, at least the way I phrase it to him is, hey, look, Aroldis, this we are entrusting you now to get the three best hitters on the other team out whenever we put you out there. That is literally a That's fact. not a bad idea. I, I, I think if you're able to spin it and to be like, hey, man, this is really important. Like, you're facing, like, the three yeah. best hitters right off the gate. Like, we need these outs big time. Like, you can maybe pump them up a little bit. Be like, okay. Yeah, and then he has starting experience before he came up as a starter, um, before they realized that 103-mile-an-hour fastball is better served in the bullpen. And his slider has really improved over the last couple of years. And to the point where when you do start to see him losing velocity as he is now, I don't think it's out of the question that he can convert to a starter. Um, I mean, he'll never be a dominant ace, but he can be a serviceable middle of the rotation guy, lefty who throws upper 90s with a good um, slider. And he's mixing his change more too, so... Just a thought out that I'm going to put yeah. out there. Aroldis Chapman as an opener and starter, not on the Yankees, starting next season. Um, also, Jonathan Luizigo starting a rehab assignment Saturday. Um, but again, luckily, there's a lot of really good bullpen arms out there for the Yankees to acquire, and I'm sure they will acquire one, if not multiple. They might get the next Clay Holmes. I, I don't know. I trust the Yankees to get good relievers. They do this every season. They did this with Tommy Canely. No one knew who he was. Came to the Yankees. He was lights out. They do it with Clay Holmes. Comes to the Yankees, and he's the best pitcher in baseball. So I trust them in that regard to at least figure that out. Where I get worried is, as we spoke about, trying to fill in shortstop and center field. But it's crazy that we're sitting here with the Yankees having 50-whatever wins, 57 wins. 
57 wins? 55 wins. Someone, please. 57. 57. Okay, 57 it is. And we're talking about them needing a shortstop, a center fielder, and more bullpen help, and maybe more starting pitching help. Crazy. Anyway, Les, you're up and down for the week. You know, it was tough for me to figure out an up. I I honestly did not get to watch a ton of baseball this week, so... I just randomly threw one of the old. You mean to rest. tell me, as a father of five kids on Fourth of July weekend, you <laughs> didn't sit inside and watch baseball? <laughs> Unbelievable! No, I did not. Surprisingly, <laughs> no. I watched mo- mostly uh, uh, little league baseball in the last couple of weeks, but uh, <laughs> you know, like I said, my kids' baseball team stopped the opposition eighteen six. That would probably be enough. But Yankees related, I actually am going to take the greatest pitcher on the planet, Garrett Cole. He did, he last stretch of games. He's gone two and one. Couple of uh, one brutal no decision. Only loss was that three zero game at Houston. Otherwise, he's doing all right. He's got eleven two eight strikeouts per nine, three walks. Like he just looks great, and uh, that's my up. Can never go wrong with Garrett. You know, I was really struggling for an up this week. My down is going to be IKF. I just cannot stand <laughs> watching him do anything. Um, he makes it, he makes the exciting play, but like you said, every other time he'll ground out weekly in, in, in the infield, like he's reaching Hicks level every time. And, uh, yeah, we know this is his one year next year. They're going to let one of the kids fight it out in spring training, but I just don't like watching IKF play baseball. Yeah. I mean, we can talk about IKF (laughs) for hours if we really needed to, but I think the writing's on the wall there with him. It's. Hard to see a world where he's the everyday shortstop. He'll probably still be on the roster, to be clear. Yeah. Like, if you told me to get rid of Marwin or IKF, I, I would say IKF, as crazy as that sounds. Because Marwin can actually play everywhere, but I just I just don't like Marwin Gonzalez very much. So we'll see what happens. But yeah, I mean, IKF, down, obviously. Guy has been terrible. The guy's been down the whole season. And it's very disappointing. And it's very weird, because he was supposedly he's he's actually a true the truest form of a stopgap shortstop show yeah. up and literally just be a fill-in and then leave like like uh dave Chappelle once said i wish i had two more hands so i can give him four thumbs down <laughs> oh man poor ikf i really wanted him to be great and he we started off did. the season he started off the season like kind of fun everyone was like hey we got we got the shortstop that can play defense and slap singles he's gonna finish the season with zero homers so, it's just sad. Toe, you're up and down. So, my up could actually maybe be a down as well. So, my up oh. was Ron Marinaccio. Mm, okay. Because, did you know that Ron Mar- Marinaccio gave up one hit in the month of June? Did you know that Ron Marinaccio is a very good pitcher? Did you know that Ron Marinaccio is from Tom's River, New Jersey? There's no way that's true, right? <laughs> Look it up. He's genuinely from Tom's River, New Jersey. And we haven't heard about it. That's not all we've heard about for the last two months. I think we heard a lot about that in like spring training in April, but we, I think, <laughs> I think it got old pretty quickly. But yeah, he gave up one hit the entire month of June. And that was in, and yeah, that was in his first appearance on June 7th against the Twins. So in one, two, three, Four appearances last week, he gave up one hit, and then he went on the IL with inflammation in his forearm. So 
that's never a good thing. But until then, Ron Marinaccio was actually going to become a pretty important part of this bullpen and totally deserved it. So, an up for me and wishing a speedy recovery to Ronnie Boy. My down for the week, um, Aaron Judge. <laughs> Aaron Judge has recorded exactly two hits since we last spoke on the podcast. I don't yeah, think that's been, the performance of You're not wrong. He's, he actually has been quiet. Yeah. And then I could not tell if this was an up or a down. I guess it's an up because they have to work 81 games regardless. Um, Yankee Stadium concession workers, I guess having 4th of July off for them is a good thing since it's not like you're losing money by not working. You work a fixed number of games. So, hey, like maybe it's a good thing that they get to spend time with their family. Interesting fact, though, if Joey, if Joey Chestnut, I almost said Joey Gallo, if Joey Chestnut had done the hot dog eating competition at Yankee Stadium, he would have had to spend $378 to eat 63 hot dogs. Is that? I feel like that number should be higher. $6 a hot dog. That number so, feels too low. I mean, it's math, Yankee right? Stadium? Yeah. Are we talking about like a premium No, I'm dog, saying the six, the price that? tag on the hot dog. Yeah, like a normal hot dog is six and a foot long is like eleven seventy five, I think. I don't know. Oh no, I I I I'm not guessing this. Like I actually looked this up. It's oh, you're gonna throw you're gonna throw that you did your own research at me. <laughs> yeah, I did my Kyrie Irving impersonation and researched how many hot dogs or don't, how much a hot dog costs at Yankee Stadium. Don't bring my Brooklyn Nets into this toe. This is a baseball podcast. We don't need to talk about the dumpster fire on Atlantic Avenue right now. Hey, I mean, look, I mean, I brought up Manchester United last week. I'm going to bring up the Nets um, <laughs> this week. Uh, hey, like we watch all sports. On MIY takes, not just. This is baseball. true. We are we are we are sports enjoyers, generally speaking. Although basketball has been a tough one for me to enjoy recently. I'm a Knicks fan. Let's leave it at that. Yeah. Okay, so I think we all made ourselves a little scared over the last 50 minutes. Right? Am I, I crazy did. for saying that? Scared or? Yeah, anxious, I mean, weary, for lack of weary, a better term, weary, scared. Anx- anxious, I think, is a good term. Anxious, less. curious, like, how, it's going to take a lot to really, really, there's going to be a hole somewhere, I think, regardless, is my takeaway from this. It, I, I don't think it's possible for them to actually do a good job f- plugging every hole possible. No, but, like, it's, a, it's, a, it's kind of a weird situation of the Yankees are who we thought they are, but is who we thought they are good or bad? yet to be determined that's the thing right that's that's the whole thing because before the season everyone was like sky is falling and now everyone justifiably is like, so now everyone is like best baseball team in existence but this guy is actually falling <laughs> but it's but it's neither of those things it's like we've we've now overcorrected on this team so what is it then a 93-win team. True talent, 93-win team. 94-win team? 95? 95. 95-win team. 
So basically, but they're going to win a hundred plus games because they've been having an unbelievable season. I mean, okay, uh, fine, like sure, but it's so funny how it'll just go back to what I wrote in every single article during the offseason on PinstripePerspective.com. Whether we like it or not, the Yankees are a mid '90s talent level team. Yeah, so they are who we thought they were. It's, I guess we'll leave entire, it to fate I mean, to decide whether or not that's yeah, good or bad because I certainly have no idea. The whole thing has been pitching and the bullpen and Aaron Judge and Anthony Rizzo and other guys kind of doing their thing. But it's it's really been the pitching. And as we're seeing tonight with Jameson Tyone, although he's went deep into this game, got touched up by pretty bad Pirates team. The Yankees are going to probably lose this game to the Pirates. They're going to lose their second straight game. When's the last time they lost two games in a row? I don't have the answer for that, but man, would I be curious. Against Houston, right? Houston, Friday and Saturday? two out of three that. Yeah. The- no, I don't think they lost two in a row to Houston. Yeah, the Verlander game yeah. and then the no-hitter. 24, 224, 225. God dang it. You're right. It just didn't feel bad. It didn't really feel bad because they, they, they were sandwiched by, by two incredible wins. Yeah. But yeah, I think this I think the entire tone of this season, by the way, is completely different if Aaron Hicks doesn't if the Yankees don't miraculously come back from six three and then later three one in the Sunday game. But the Yankees should have gotten swept in that series, in that Houston series. You really just but, want to talk about how good the Astros are, huh? Uh, yeah, it's it's uh it's uh it's uh like, it's like this is a running problem. theme for the last it's, two weeks. No, no, no. Like if you were also like if you were to ask, so like I also happen to enjoy like betting on baseball. Like if you were to ask some of the guys that I do this that that I bet with and have fun doing it with, they would tell you I'm an Astros addict. So I'm a little biased to be honest with you. The the Astros are renting space in all of our heads right now. Well, people have told me that for I'm yourself. Closet, people have also <laughs> told me I'm a closeted Astros fan. I can more so just um. You know what? You can admit how good they are, okay? You are a rational baseball fan. Yeah, good baseball team. All right, well, we have to finish the way we always finish, right? With our predictions. Uh, Matt was 5-0, by the way. (laughs) His prediction last last weekend was 5-0. I think his direct quote was, screw it, 5-0. It was was pretty wrong Yeah, well, I mean, that's why he became our own version of Anthony Rizzo tonight. Yeah, the late scratch. So, anyway, let's assume, as always, that we will be recording next Tuesday night. That leaves only four games for us to, incorrect, five games for us to make predictions on. One more against the Pirates. And then four at Fenway Park against the Boston Red Sox. Less your guess. I'm going to go five and oh. Whoa! Can, whoa! Yeah, I know. <laughs> Listen, I can't. I think they win tomorrow, and the Man. Yankees fan in me will not allow the Red Sox to take any of those games. I just cannot pick the Red Sox to win one game. I don't care if the three of us are throwing any of those three days. I would not pick the Red Sox to win. That's crazy. That's the last thing I expected to come out of your mouth, to be honest. I just can't do it. When it comes to the Red Sox, I can't do it. Wow. So, I'm expecting to hear something very different from you. <laughs> Four and one. Oh, my God. What is all this optimism? It's mathematics oh, for no. me. 
like lose to Pittsburgh today, assume that means win tomorrow in all likelihood. And I mean, if you put a gun to my head and told me to pick three and two, I would like, I wouldn't be shocked if we split with the Red Sox. But the fact of the matter is the Yankees are simply a better team than the Red Sox and should be taking three out of four from this team. Like, I don't care that they're in second place. They're like 13 games back. So like I said last week, the AL East is not really as good as we thought it is, except for Baltimore. But Baltimore is Baltimore, and we're not talking about Baltimore right now. So, yeah, I don't trust the Red Sox. I like the Yankees, even though we just stated what's wrong with the team. It's still better. <laughs> spent four spent an hour talking about everything wrong with the Yankees. <laughs> yeah, the Yankees suck. Four and one. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. Okay. I'm going to go three and two. I think they're going to split with Boston. Boston's like, is Boston just one of those teams that's like now playing pretty solid baseball. And uh, a split just feels right to me. And I need to be right one of these weeks and three and two feels safe. And I haven't been right on one of my predictions in a very, very long time. And I would happily take a split at this point. It's just, you know, shoot for par for the rest of the season. Okay. Hum. (laughs) Literally. I, I, I assume the words ho-hum are going to be uttered many times over the next few months. Probably. But if they're not, that means something really bad happened, which is great for the podcast, but bad for Yankees. Yes. I mean, I, I can feel us inching more and more towards a doomsday episode, like an unrealistic doomsday episode should things Well, really that was kind of last week, no? Sort of. Not really. Well, just for you, just for you. Yeah, only me. I'm the only one here kind of being... I can't stop talking about the Astros. Um, I'm the only one here kind of just being like, yeah, they're crazy. good. We get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they've only, you know, the ALCS has only gone through Houston every year since, what, 2016. So, deservedly so that I'm giving them some credit. They're going to find a way to hack PitchCon without anyone knowing, right? <laughs> yeah, they probably. probably. Already did. Yeah. <laughs> Fair point. Yeah, I wonder if teams are really, like, trying to work hard to... Oh, can we yeah. talk about that weird – who was it that tried to steal home because of the Kyle PitchCon? T- Kyle Tucker. Yeah, that was weird. That so was did, weird. Like, what was happened? That, like, did they, were the Astros, like, trying to try something out? Maybe they said, hey, Well, no, because Sever, like, Severino was having issues hearing, and he, like, just turned his back. He was, like, taking off his hat. And while his back was turned, Tucker just ran. The new hidden ball trick. League? Is that Bush League? Well, only if he's safe. Like, do we need to make true? Do we need to make like rules now where it's like there's like pitch com timeouts and stuff? Well, I mean, like, we, I didn't. Know, I didn't well, love someone should just call timeout, right? Yeah, isn't that what normally happens? That's kind of that's definitely the right takeaway. Someone probably should have called timeout. Hey, it's well, a new age of baseball technology. You gotta you gotta be ready for it. Thanks, Rob. Yeah, thanks a lot, Rob. First July Fourth, and now pitch com, or the other way around. But anyway. Anything else? Did we did we cover it all? Did we were we were we negative enough? I don't think we talked about the Astros enough. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, we need the Astros and the Yankees to face off in the ALCS again. However, as I've said many times, if the Yankees lose to the Astros in the ALCS again, I will probably retire from being a sports fan. Wow, that's a just don't think I can do that again. Don't even want to deal with it. Someone who survived the 2004 ALCS, that's a gutsy statement to make. 
I mean, off the heels of like the best ALCS win. Yeah, but keep in mind that he's also going to be coming off of Kevin Durant being traded. So, yeah, it's going to be a tough. It's going to be a brutal. There, there's all the stars are aligning for just a terrible October for myself and any other Yankees Mets fans. And then by that time, the Jets will probably be like oh oh and five to start the season too. So things things will just be going will be going great great for all of us Yankees Jets Nets children out there. Unless Um, unless Ronaldo's going to be off the team, so. Don't even talk about oh. what's going on across the pond either. Yeah, we don't. We don't. <laughs> there's, there's too many, too many. You know what? No. Everything's gonna be okay. The Yankees are gonna win the ALCS. And they're gonna go to the World Series this year. They're gonna it's figure gonna it out right. at the deadline, and we're all gonna be on this podcast celebrating with each other. The Yankees are good. Let's just keep that in mind for the, the rest of the summer. The Yankees are good. The Yankees are a good baseball team. They've got the, the, the fact that like we need to say that pejoratively is so funny. Yeah, it is kind of funny. They've got some flaws. Like, positive self-talk. The Yankees are good. The Yankees are good. Yes, it's yes. going to be okay, guys. Positive, positive self-talk. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, going to be fun going up to the trade deadline, seeing what the Yankees do. Brian Casperno always seems to find someone that we've never heard of that ends up being a contributor. So we'll see who it is again this season but if we have nothing else i think that'll wrap us up um let's do twitter shall we i guess i can do it for you guys i kind of have them memorized at this point so if you want to follow less you can follow him on twitter at less williams 23 if you want to follow Cito, who has now done back-to-back episodes on nyy takes at Underscore Cito? That's correct. Wow. I almost went C underscore toe. Um, and if you want to follow myself, you can give That's me a follow. my Snapchat, actually. <laughs> you want to give me a follow, you can follow me at rcoles0206. Give us a follow on Twitter. All of us collectively a follow on Twitter at Pinstripe Purse. That's at the word Pinstripe, P-E-R-S. We are named NYY Takes on Twitter and we now. just passed 500 followers and we so. did just pass 500 followers we have a new goal of 550 and soon 600 so love all the help would love all the help we can get with that if you enjoyed the podcast even if you hated the podcast please rate it five stars follow so you don't miss an episode and go yanks <laughs>